Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. It all began on Sunday, December 11th, 2005, when a fisherman spotted a 50-ton humpback whale tangled up in crab trap lines off the coast of Northern California. So you can imagine. Here is this 50-ton humpback whale just tangled. There was a call for help, and it was answered by a group of Coast Guard divers and whale experts. So they dive in. The rescue operation was really both difficult and dangerous. I mean, you could imagine. Crew members found the whale entwined, check this out, in some 20 ropes, each 240 feet long and wrapped so tight that they were slicing into the flesh of the whale. The lines had to be cut, but they had to be cut by hand, which required diving perilously close to the whale and its powerful tail. Well, as the story goes, it took about an hour, and no one was injured. In interviews with reporters, some of the divers remarked on the whale's affectionate behavior. One actually said uh, the creature watched and seemed to wink at him as he was cutting the line that went through his mouth. Once freed, the whale began circling and approaching the divers one by one to sort of nuzzle them. Mick uh, Mendigo told the San Francisco Chronicle, quote, The whale was doing little dives and the guys were rubbing shoulders with it. It's something that I will always remember it was just too cool, unquote. I want you to think about this story for just a moment. I'm trying to paint a picture in your mind. Here's this 50-ton humpback whale caught in how many ropes did you say, Pastor? 20 ropes, about 240, so tight. You could imagine. You could imagine. And I want you to think about it, and you go, why would I think about that, Pastor? Well, I believe as we look at what Jesus wants to teach us today, that story actually catapults and illustrates what he wants to teach us. And you go, well, what is that? What's the, what's the point? Well, here it is. You ready? Here's our teaching in a nutshell, that we must be careful with the traditions of man that elevates itself above the word of God. That's what he wants to teach us today. I've told you this a thousand times, I'll tell you a thousand and one. There's a great advantage to expository Bible teaching. And there's a disadvantage to expository Bible teaching. You go, what's the advantage? The advantage to expository Bible teaching is you get the whole counsel of God. Okay, we start in Matthew chapter one and we go all the way through. You go, well, what's the disadvantage? You ready? You get the whole counsel of God. And you go, what do you mean? We come to passages where people go, whoa, 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 that's, that's, but this is what Jesus, I looked at the text and this is what Jesus wants to teach us, okay? In our study today, we're going to learn that we all have a lot of traditions, wouldn't you agree? A lot of traditions and traditions that we've been brought up in, traditions at home, uh, some of you younger wives have um, have traditions that mom has passed down to you. And you go, well, why do you do it this way? Well, that's because mom always did it that way. And that's how we, and we pass it down. And your daughter goes, well, mom, why did you do it? Well, I don't know, because grandma always did it that way. We all have traditions of men, right? And even at Calvary, guys, we have some traditions. You go, you do? Yeah. Now, as long as we don't hold those traditions above the word of God, then we can be set free in Christ. Now, the purpose of being set free, you guys with me? From the traditions of men that elevates itself above God's word is so that we could share the gospel without bondage in our traditions. Okay? You got to grasp that. We want to be set free. Now, 
Please understand, you've got to grasp this, or else you'll walk out of here going, because well, we all have traditions. But here's what you've got to grasp. You need to understand that we all have wonderful traditions. Okay, we all have wonderful, I mean, and the problem is, is we run into these problems when we take those traditions and put them above the word of God. You go, well, give me an example. Okay, well, let's talk. One of the wonderful traditions we have at Calvary Chapel is that we have a casual dress. Okay? That's just a tradition. There are a lot of people in other churches that the pastor is dressed in a suit every single Sunday. That's their tradition. Nothing wrong with it. But at Calvary, we kind of said, hey, we want to make people feel as comfortable as we possibly can. And so out the Calvary chapels throughout the world, they have a unspoken kind of casual dress. And it makes people feel casual. Now, Pastor Chuck used to wear a suit all the time. I don't know where this tradition came from. Pastor Bill wears a, almost a tie every Sunday. I don't like ties. I don't like suits. As a matter of fact, whenever I come in and I'm wearing a tie, I always get the, why are you wearing a tie? And, and I'm serious, and it, and it, but, but I understand the tradition, and I'll tell you why. Because there once was a time when a, a, a couple was coming to the church, and it was early, early on. We weren't even meeting uh, here. We were at, on 34th Street. And we were meeting at 34th Street, and they came into the church, and the gentleman always wore a tie every Sunday. And every Sunday, he would give me a hard time. Why don't you wear a tie? It's God's house. Why don't you wear a tie? And I'd go, that's just not us. As a matter of fact, if you really want traditions, Calvary Chapel pastors should wear Hawaiian shirts. That's kind of how it used to be. I don't have any Hawaiian shirts. I have to get some from Sov. He has some really good ones. He's, he's a sharp dresser. But this guy would come in and he'd be like, and you know what, you need to do that. You do. And, and here's the point. Whether he wore a tie or not, we love him the same. We love you the same. Now, sometimes I will wear a suit, and it will freak you guys out. You're like, who died? Nobody. I'm just wearing a suit on Sunday morning. I mean, that's how we do, but that's a tradition. That's a tradition. And our traditions are good. Can I get an amen? amen. As long as we don't, if they don't keep us in bondage. Our traditions are good. We all have, I mean, we've all been brought up, some of us were brought up Christian, some of us were brought up in the Catholic faith, some of us were brought up in different, and we have traditions, traditions that we struggle with. Let me give you another quick example. Music. You go, what do you mean? I've got to tell you, when I first got saved, there were two radio stations. One of them was, um, I believe it was Family Life Radio at the time. And they would play a lot of instrumental, a lot of hymns, and I loved it. You go, no, yeah. The other one was a, was a contemporary Christian. And I struggled when I first got saved because I was like, ah, oh, that can't be, that can't be Christian. I said, uh, 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 you know, and I mean, it was really, it was really, I had to, the Lord had to do it, and I had to search the scriptures. God, what, why am I like this? And, and he says, well, here's the thing. Let me just share this. Music, music is good. And it's where people are, and he says, you can like hymns, and you can like great praise music, and you can like contemporary worship. And I even, I even dabbled in with the Christian rock era. You know, I mean, it was like, yeah, ja, 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 ja. You know, I mean, so, so the music itself, but, but you understand my struggle. And some of us struggle that way too. So we all have traditions what Jesus wants to teach us today, don't take our traditions of men and elevate them above the word of God. That's what the Pharisees were doing. That's what the scribes were doing. And it's going to blow you away what they actually thought and why they actually confronted Jesus. This is the word of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, remember where we left off last week. If you weren't here last week, we studied that there are purposes in the storm. That we go through storms, we go through trials, and we're trying to figure out there are purposes. And what we discovered is there are certain storms that are sent, number one, to get our attention. We talked about that last week. There are certain storms to get our attention. Whoa, whoa, wake up. Wake up. Okay. Okay, Lord, what's going on? What's going on? I don't know if you guys see this or not, and maybe you don't. Maybe you're just like, eh, you're crazy. But I tend to look at weather patterns. 
across the world. I tend to look at weather patterns and kind of see. And sometimes I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Uh, Is the Lord trying to wake us up? Is he trying to get our attention somehow? You know, Ben, you're crazy. Okay, I'm crazy. But I know that, that there are storms in my life that, that gets our attention. Can I get an amen on that one? They do. You're like, oh, Lord, okay. There are storms sent to us to cause us to acknowledge the presence of Jesus and our need for him. There are times when we go, Lord, I need to run to you. I need to run to you. Those are some of those storms. Some storms are sent, guys, we also learned, to increase our faith. To increase our faith. To watch the Lord. And, and it's so beautiful, guys, when you, when you have a, well, I call it a prayer journal, but also just a journal. And you write down some of the beautiful things that God has done and how he's, how he's got you through things. And how he's stepped up and how he's, how he's showed up. And, and what happens is I tend to forget week to week. Come on, just me. I tend to forget week to week, so I've got to go back and go, oh, Lord, I see how you moved here. I see how you worked here. It's so cool. It's so cool. Because if I don't have a remembrance, you know what I do? God will move big in my life here. He move big. Yes! And then I, and a week later, I'm whining. Oh, God, why don't you do something? I can't believe you. <sighs> What's the matter? I don't know. God's not going to show up. Really? He showed up a thousand. I know, but not today. He's asleep. That's how we feel. And so I believe that it increases our faith. Because then when I see God move mightily here, I stand upon that and I go, you know what? If he did it here, he's going to do it here. You're going to hear. I was worshiping here, guys, a minute ago. We were thinking, I exalting. I was thinking and I was praising God. And I felt like the Lord was telling me. He said, don't let your misunderstandings of who I am and how I work, don't let that my misunderstandings take away or, I couldn't think of the right word, um, detract my love for God. You, you understand that? Because when I misunderstand God, I go, God, what are you doing? I don't understand how you do Why? What happens is that I begin not to love God very much. I'll take a step back and I go, hey, well. Now, I still love God. You understand, you still love God, but we take a step back and we kind of go, hmm. And God's like, he knocked on my, I'm not kidding you. He knocked on my heart when I was standing right here. He knocked on my heart. And he said, tell me what I've done. Tell me what I've done in your life that you would not love me or you would love me less. Come on, somebody. Nothing. He's good. Everything he's done in my life is for my benefit, whether it was, whether it was painful or not, it was for my benefit. Everything that's happened in your life, whether it's painful or not, is for your benefit. He's good. Okay. Okay, Lord, I love you. I got you. Some storms, guys, moving on, has, has been sent to prove the keeping power of God. The keeping power of God. He will sustain us in the storm. Some storms are sent. Here's another reason. You ready? So that we could prove to Satan that we'll be loyal to God. We'll be loyal to God. Very, very important. So that's what we learned last week. If you weren't here or you forgot, you can always go back to the podcast, but there are purpose for storms. Because you guys remember the story. Jesus, he sent the disciples on the boat, seasoned fishermen on the boat. And there they are rowing. Nine hours in a storm, Jesus is watching. Then he comes walking on the water. And then he, they worship him and he realizes, oh, wow, wow. Well, today... We continue, and we will see that the Lord teaches us that religious people of the day, understand that, they were transgressing the word of God. You guys say how? Say it again, how? By putting their man-made traditions 
above the Word of God. You understand that, okay? So, in order to fully understand the Lord's teaching, I need to see it in action. You go, yeah, me too. That's why we're going to turn over to Acts chapter 10. So we're going to see a little bit of that, okay? I want to see it. In order to understand, we need to see the Lord in action with none other than Peter. Acts chapter 10, let me set the stage real quick. Cornelius sends for Peter. He has a vision. You can see that one through nine. He says, hey, he sends two servants to Joppa, okay? To Peter is staying with a fellow by the name of Simon the Tanner. I have been to Joppa. I have seen Simon's house. It's a most amazing thing, okay? And I actually got to preach there at Simon's house. I mean, it's just looking up. It's just so, it's so amazing. This is where Paul is. If you step out just a little bit in Joppa, you can see the Mediterranean Sea. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. This is where Peter is. You with me? So Cornelius, who's a Gentile, sends for Peter. We're going to pick it up in verse 9 in your Bibles. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. It says, the next day, as they went on their journey, they drew near to the city. He's talking about the two servants. Well, Peter went up to the housetop and pray, and it was about the sixth hour. Now, when they used to pray, guys, they used to go up and be alone on the housetop, okay? Peter then became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Okay, you guys got this. Peter's going, he's up there and he's praying. He's going, oh, Liz, I'm hungry. Could you make some food while I'm praying? They're like, yeah, it's going to take a few minutes. And then he falls into a trance. Okay, he's, he's, he's praying and he's in a trance, right? And it says, and what he saw, heaven opened and like an object. Now remember, it's basically an object like a sheet bound by four corners, descending to him and letting it down to earth. So he's going, this is trippy. Because what's on it, look at verse 12. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and the birds of the air. These were all non-kosher for a Jewish man. So he's thinking he's having a nightmare. Right? And so he's like this. He's like, what is that about? I mean, he's seen creeping creepers. He's seen birds. He's like, man, ugh. and I'm hungry. And what happens? A voice comes to him. Notice what it says. He hears a voice, and it says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Well, <laughs> time out. Okay, time out. Peter says, and this is something we should never do. He says, Not so, Lord. Okay, that's a phrase that doesn't go together. Do you guys know what an oxymoron is? Do you know what that is? It's basically an oxymoron, right? Jumbo shrimp. You can't have jumbo shrimp. Well, this is, you can't say no. Oh, come on, let's say, you can't say no. Right, because he's not Lord. If he's Lord, he's like, he just said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. What should have Peter's response been? Peter says, "Uh, why did Peter, why did Peter oppose God, why did Peter oppose God? Well, God's like, hold up. And a voice spoke to him again a second time. And he says, oh, wait, 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 hold on. Let me go back. Sorry. When Peter said, not so, Lord, here's why. For I have never eaten anything, what, common or unclean. And a voice said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Okay, so let me paint the picture. Peter was brought up in a very ritual, ritualistic Jewish background. And he never ate bugs. He never had any, uh, I mean, anything of the wild beasts, right? You understand that he, it's all in Leviticus, what they could eat. And, what, and so he's like, no, I've never done that. I've never done that. I've always been kosher. Even to this day, there are Jewish people who won't eat a cheeseburger, You understand that, right? You go, why? Because it says, don't boil the goat in the mother's milk. So they think the cheese is part of the milk and the meat, and so they won't have a cheeseburger. 
Now, you can go to McDonald's there. I've gone to McDonald's there in, um, where was it? Tiberius. Okay, it wasn't there when we went, but it was there when I think we went. Well, the first year I went, I went to McDonald's, ordered a Big Mac. Because when you're in Israel and you don't have all the comfort foods of the United States, you kind of long for them. You want a hamburger, you want fries. So you go, and I said, I'm going to have a Big Mac. So it was all, it was what, it was basic Big Mac, right? Minus the, yeah. So two all beef patty special sauce, lettuce, no cheese. Because it's kosher. You just, they just didn't do it. They won't do it. They won't do it. If you go to the buffets at the hotel, you'll realize in the morning you can have coffee with cream, but there's no meat. But in the evening, you can't have coffee because they don't want the cream. Because, I mean, you guys understand the point. Well, Peter's like, this is how I was brought up. This is my ritual. This is my tradition. Well, God here just said, Peter, here's the thing. I'm going to reach the Gentiles. I'm going to use you to reach the Gentiles. And so what you need to realize is that some now going forward and reaching people, I want to set you free from the bondage of your tradition. And what's sad is that even today, there will be people who will try to put bondage of tradition on us. Well, you've got to, are you better and you can't, and you're not saved if... Oh, hold on, hold on. That's not what Galatians says. So what happens? As the story goes, God is preparing Peter for the Gentiles. But he needed, he needed to break long-lasting Jewish dietary traditions. He needed to set Peter free. Why? So that others could hear the gospel. And you realize that there was even a point where, where the apostle Paul gets in Peter's face and confronts him because he was doing it. Like he's all hanging out with the Gentiles. He's like, hey, that's all eat everybody. I love, hey man, filet mignon, bring it. Let's go. Let's put some cheese on that. And then the Jewish people come and he's like, oh, I'm not going to sit with those guys. And Peter comes up to him. He's like, dude, what are you doing? Oh, oh. So, so Peter needed to be set free so others could hear the gospel. For you see, the Gentiles didn't keep the kosher dietary laws of the Jewish people. So he had to be set free. That's where we pick up our story. It's going to blow your mind. You guys ready? Go back to Matthew chapter 15. Let's see what's going on in our text. You guys ready? So cool. Um, Matthew 15, 1 and 2 says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem, came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? What are they doing? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Okay? This is power-packed. Why? Well, first thing I want you to see, I don't want you to miss it. I want you to underline, circle, highlight, whatever you need to do. It says, the scribes and the Pharisees from Jerusalem. Why is that important? Why Jerusalem? Here's why. Listen to me. Okay? Because there were scribes and Pharisees all over Israel. But it says, from Jerusalem, because these were the bigwigs. Okay? If you've ever worked in a, in a, in a retail area and the big wigs were coming in from corporate, what would you do? Oh, the big guys are coming. Oh, hurry up, clean. That's how we do. Well, the, the, the big corporate guys are coming. This is them, religiously. And so, all of a sudden, the big wigs, the religious are, these are, <gasps> something must be going down for the big wigs to come and confront Jesus. He must be making a splash. So what do they do? Let's confront Jesus. Let's confront Jesus. What are they, what are they saying? Well, here's their rap. You ready? So here they come. They gather together in their little holy hut and the little religious. And they go, Jesus, why do your disciples? And I don't know. Were they watching? Did they have, did they have a mole in there? Was there a spy? I mean, it's like, see, like, I mean, you know, every, every little thing, they're, did you see them eat bread without washing their hands? Now, every mom in here goes, my kids need to wash their hands. Okay? 
My kids need it because it's good hygiene, is it not? Wash your hands. We should wash our hands, right? That's good hygiene. Can I get an amen? amen? Wash your hands. But that's not what they're talking about. That's not what they're talking about. It's not about hygiene. You go, it's not? No, 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 no. It's going to get good, okay? They're coming to the disciples, and they're saying to them, Jesus, why do your disciples disobey, and here's what they're really saying, our age-old tradition. For they ignore the tradition of, and here it is, you ready? Ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. So it's not hygiene, it's ceremonial. They're confronting Jesus, okay? Now, what you need to understand is they didn't come and go, why do your disciples transgress the word of God by not washing their hands? Because it's not in the word of God. You go, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Woo. Here's, how, here's how it get good. What they're talking about is ceremonial washing. Ceremonial. Here's what they would do. They would take an eggshell half, half of an eggshell, cup of water, they'd put their hand up, and then they'd pour it down like this, and they would just let it drip. Okay, then they take another one, they put their hand down and pour it down this side. They take another one, this hand, pour it down this way, take another half and pour it down. This is what they were supposed to do every time they ate. This is what they're talking about. You go, Ben, what's wrong with that? Okay, let's chat, okay? You need to listen closely. There was something back in that day called the tradition of the elders. The tradition of the elders. And here's what they believed. It wasn't in the Word of God. It's not in the Word of God, but here's what they believed. They believed, the tradition of the elders believed, that when you went to sleep at night, that demons came and sat on your hands. Okay? So some of you, when you wake up and you can't move your arm, you know, it's like, oh, what happened? No, I'm not saying that. Just kidding. (laughs) You just slept wrong or your neck's off or something. Right? I can't feel my hand. But they believed that. Okay, so they believed that, that, that basically, and so what you would do is demons would, was, was on your arms, and then what you would do is then you would eat and allowing demons to come inside you. That's their tradition. That's what they're going to confront Jesus with. Ah. Uh, Jesus? Yes. Why do your disciples allow demons to eat? Because they don't wash their hands. And why would you let demons come inside you? Now, isn't that silly? Isn't that silly? Now, some of us who eat food, Rosa, we feel like there's something that we shouldn't have ate. I mean, I get that. There's some food where we're like, oh, that was not good. That wasn't good. But that's not a demon. It's bad hygiene probably <laughs> in preparing our food. But anyways, um, back, to the, back to our story. Okay, back to our story. So they come, these religious guys come, and they confront Jesus, and, 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 they, and the ritual's really silly. It's really silly. And notice what the Lord says back to these guys, verse 3. He answered them, and he said, Why do you transgress the commandment of God? Because of your tradition. You know, it's like, wow. In other words, he's going, Your traditions actually violate the word of God. You go, what do you mean? Well, think about what he does, and I want you to note it here. He highlights their guilt for a much greater offense than hand-washing. What? His disciples may have violated, help me church, the tradition of the elders, but what's going on right now is the Pharisees are violating the word of God, the commandment of God. And so Jesus probably, and I'm sure he smiled. I think he smiled a lot. And they're like coming to him going, why don't you? And he's just, hey, uh, question for you. Why? It's not about hand washing, is it? It's not about the, uh, the tradition of the, are you serious? The tradition of. Let me give you some application that I think is beautiful. You go, what's that? I want you to grasp here, guys, and I want you to know that Jesus always uses the word of God to silence his critics. Always uses the word of God. 
And I love it. What does he say? What is God going to say? He goes, hey, so, so why are you doing this? Now, now we're at a what? Are we at a standstill or an impasse? I'm not sure, but we're right here. Here we go. Okay? And so he goes, well, let me explain. For God commanded, here it is, here's the word of God, to honor your father and your mother. And he who curses his father and mother, let him be put to death. This is the word of God. And you go, amen. But you say, whoever says to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father and mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God by no effect by your tradition. You go, Ben, what did he say? What did Jesus say? Can you break it down? Yeah, jot this down. There's something that they used to call Corban. 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 And you go, what does Corban mean? Okay, so here's, here's what Corban is. Whenever you would, were called to take care of your elderly parents, okay, and what I mean by honoring your father and mother doesn't mean you, you, you can physically take care of them, but you know how as we get older, we, we try to you know, bless them with stuff. We want to take care of them. You understand that financially, okay? What they were doing, these religious guys who were supposed to be pointing people to God, were saying, Corban! In other words, everything I have that I'm supposed to give to you, it belongs to God. So you don't get anything. And your parents go, well, but, 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 but we're, you know what? Listen, um, we were a little short from our, from our rent check. We're, we're a little bit short. The, the light bill's going to go off. Well, Corban, it's all God's. Instead of honoring their folks and going, oh, 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 oh. They were using it as an excuse, guys, not to take care of their parents. You're like, wow. Because the word of God says to you and I that we need to honor them. And I realize that in our world today, you go, well, my parents did this and this. We, our believers, are still called to honor them if we can. And it's to hold them in high esteem. Well, my parents are toxic. Well, you can still honor them. And you can take care of them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Um, my, my parents are gone. Okay, but Nathalie's parents are still alive. So, 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 if they, and, and they, they're, they're financially okay. But if they were come to us and go, hey, listen, um, we don't have any food. I go, well, you know what, mom and dad? Corbin, I gave all my money to the church. Did I? Did I or do I want to? And that's what Jesus is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. And he's telling them, guys, listen, you need to honor that. And he tells them this. He tells them this. Listen, why have you transgressed? You go, what does that mean? Well, the word transgress, guys, means to, to violate, to circle back, to go against. He goes, why are you going against the word of God? When it says to honor your father and mother, here's what you rather do. You say, you say, no, 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 I don't want to honor you. And he says, you made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So, the demon sitting on your hands, the, the, the tradition of the elders, that was tradition of men. The Corban, that was tradition of men, and it's not the word of God. It's not what God says. You go, well, Ben, what should we do? Well, wash your hands before you eat. That's, yeah, I mean, that's, that, wash your hands. Uh, sometimes I forget, but sometimes wash your hands. Now they always remind me, wash your hands, wash your hands. Guys, this is what Jesus is, is, is dealing with. And he's saying, you guys are making up stuff so you don't have to honor your parents. And by doing that, you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. Your own tradition. Notice what Jesus says. He goes on. He's going to get it. He says, hypocrites. Hypocritos. He said, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, what did they say? What did Isaiah prophesy? He said, these people draw near to me with their mouth, Honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Wow. 
Wow. What does Jesus say? He goes, guys, listen, these guys right here, they draw near me with their mouths. What does that mean? It says they're saying all the right things. I mean, how can you argue with a religious person who has his hands folded like this and he says, all my money I'm giving to God. I can't help you because I'm giving all of it. You know, we, oh, we're very pious. Ooh, ooh, ooh. They say all the right things. You go, what else did they say? Well, it says that they honor me with their lips. Oh, well, praise God. Praise God. Oh, praise God. And he says, but my, their hearts, their hearts are far from me. And, and basically he's saying it's lip service at best. It's lip service at best. Isaiah prophesied, and he looks at him, he says, Isaiah prophesied about you. Isaiah prophesied about, he says, and so we have to take this and let's, let's grab some application from this. Let's grab some application because I think every one of us have fallen into the religious routine of worshiping God with just lip service. Right? We'll sit there and we'll lift up our hands, but in our mind we're thinking, I can't wait to go to Rosa's today. I'm going to have the tacos and the beans. I mean, we, whatever it might be. We're thinking about work tomorrow. We're thinking about the problems that we have. We all have problems. We're like, bless the Lord. Oh, no, I forgot to turn off the water at the house. And we've all done that at times. And there are times when we've walked with Jesus so long that it is just lip service. It's just lip service. And people go, are you a Christian? Of course, praise God. Hallelujah. How are you, sister? And we use all the right terminology. But here's what he's saying. Guys, here's what he's saying. He goes, but your heart, your heart is far from me. And so it's so important for us not to become religious Pharisees or scribes, but come with a heart going, Lord, open my heart. Open my heart. Break my heart for what breaks yours. God, I don't want to be that anymore. I need to follow you with everything, every breath that's in me. I need to follow you. I don't just want to praise you so people think I'm, guys, listen, in noonday prayer, one of the, one of the requirements is that we're going to, we're not going to pray to be eloquent towards others. We're just going to pray that if God was sitting in the middle, we go, God, please. My, listen, we're praying. We're praying for kids who have cancer. We can't just be eloquent on that. We're going, God, heal them. These are babies. We're praying. We're praying for people who are dying with COVID or not COVID or because of COVID. But we're praying. And, and I don't want to be like, oh, bless, oh, thou is God. And, and people go, wow, Ben can pray. That dude can pray. Did you hear him? He was using words from the dictionary. I mean, he was praying. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And, and, that's, and, and I want my heart. And, and sometimes my heart, my words don't always come out right. And that's what God says. Sometimes you're praising God. You don't even have the words. And so you just let this, and just let the spirit just, just, just. What's the matter? I'm just crying. Why? And then Jesus says, notice verse nine, and, and what? And in vain, in vain, they worship me. What are they doing? They're teaching as doctrines. They're teaching the word of God like the commandments of men. So how did they do all this? How did they do all this? Well, in context, by putting their tradition of men, listen to me, on the same level as the commandments of God. And their whole worship was what? Was rendered vain. Okay, come on, come on, let's get, let's dig deep, let's dig a little bit deeper. When we come to worship God, whether it be in prayer, the word of God, music, however it must be, most of the time we walk away feeling good, don't we? Oh, I worshiped God. That was a great service. But I don't want the Lord to go, hey, your heart wasn't even really in it. You know what, we should go away going, Lord, did I bless your heart? 
did I acknowledge you in my life? Did I confess? Did I, did, those things, those things. These Pharisees from Jerusalem, the bigwigs, they were teaching man-made ideas and they were calling it the word of God. Traditions. So here's our lesson. You ready? Jesus turns the confrontation with the Pharisees into a teaching opportunity for his disciples. You got that? He will always turn. They come to confront him, and now he's going to turn it, right? He emphasizes the priority of the heart over external matters, such as hand washing or ritual purity. You got to grasp that. Jesus will always teach us. Well, what's he going to teach us? Well, look at verse 10. He says, and when he had called the multitude to himself, he said, hear and understand. You ready? Verse 11. It's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles him. Right? And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so we got to break this down because that's, that's huge. Jesus just said, hey, it's not what you eat that defiles you. It's what comes out. Well, okay, so that's weird. Okay, can we agree that's weird? Because nothing, every time, what, okay, you guys know what I mean. Whatever we eat does not come out, so, okay, so, so what does it word, what does the word defile mean? Well, he says, it makes ritually unclean, that's what it means. So he says, it's not what goes into a mouth that makes me ritually unclean. So he's not talking about food. Okay, you go, ooh, ooh, this is good, this is good. He says, but it's not what we eat that defiles us, but what comes out of our hearts, what defiles us. The Bible says, and we talked about it in Matthew chapter 12, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay? When evil resides in our heart, it will be exposed in our perverse speech. Let, let me say that again, okay? Because this is going to convict all of us, every single one of us, okay? Out of the abundance, what's in our heart is what comes out. You know, how do I know? Here's how I know. Picture yourself as a sponge, Mary. You're a sponge, okay? And when the world begins to squeeze you, what you've been taking in is what's going to come out. And if the world is, if you've been taking in evil and garbage and yuck and the world starts to squeeze, guess what comes out? That's what Jesus said. Out of the abundance of the heart. Now, again, I'm not talking, nor am I trying to minimize the word of God, but I'm not talking about the occasional, I was angry one day or I, you know, you woke up in a bad mood or on the wrong side of the bed. I'm not talking, I'm talking about, you're characterized by all of a sudden, man, the world starts to squeeze. You get a little stressed at work. Whoa. So what should we do? What should we do? Guys, we must be careful what goes into our hearts. Okay? We must, we must be careful. What are you allowing into your heart? What are you allowing? Because, guys, nothing's going to come in unless you allow it. Nothing's coming in unless you allow it. Okay? And let me say this. You ready? If you want to know about somebody, listen to the way they talk. If you want to know about someone, spend some time with them and listen to their talk. It'll come out. Okay? What you put in. Now, we prayed this. We prayed this on, on Friday because we moved it from Thursday to Friday. We prayed this. I, I think it was Norma who said, and, and let me, I'm going to jump on that, Norma. She said, hurting people hurt people. You guys know that? Hurting people. So when you're hurting, what do you do? You tend to bring hurt. Okay, so if you allow hurt, and now you're squeezed, what comes out? Hurt. And don't couples do that to each other. 
Your husband and your wife should be your very best friend. And you should be on the same team. And because we've allowed the hurts of this world to crush us, that sometimes it comes out is, and then you hurt them. I'm guilty. And so I've got to guard what comes in my heart. I've got to guard. Nathalie is always telling me, okay, I'm going to tell you this, don't get defensive, because apparently I get defensive whenever we talk. I start getting, don't you talk about, don't you talk about these people. No, I'm kidding, she doesn't say that. But I get defensive, and, and I've got to guard my heart. I've got to, you've got to process, why? Because then I can be defensive, and what happens after you be defensive? Well, I'll be defensive back, and I'll tell you some things, and you need to know, you're not, you're not perfect, and, and there you go. No, no, no. Here's what James says. You know what James tells us? No man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Ooh, we better all stop talking. How you doing? Right, right? We, we just need to stop because... Or we just let the Lord come into our hearts. And when we're squeezed, the word of God comes out. So, bro, what do you think about this? Well, let me tell you. Here, listen, I was just reading this. Let me show. This is God's word. This is, this is cool. No, but what do you think? Well, in my opinion, I've done this, but here's what God says. You don't want my opinion. You want what God says. You don't want my opinion. You want what the word of God says. My job is to tell you what the word of God says. And again, expository Bible teaching is not always popular, is it? It's not always popular. Look at verse 12. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when, when they heard this saying? Okay. And Jesus answered, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind... Both will fall into a ditch. Can you imagine? Isn't that a word for today? Isn't that a word for today? Isn't that something we can take? You go, why? Well, again, the, the disciples come and go, um, all these religious dudes were offended. And he's like, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because they're blind. They're blind. Listen to me, church. God is giving every one of us in this room an opportunity to see, to see who he is to grow in him. The Pharisees, who knew the law better than the rest of the Jews, should have been teaching and instructing the people in the ways of God. Instead, what happened is they became caught up in the ritual concerns of the law unnecessary burdening the people with secondary matters, Jesus says they're blind, unworthy guides. What is he trying to teach us today, church? That we need to stand upon the word of God. We need to know it, stand upon it, walk in it, live it, speak it, pray it. It has to be the word of God. Everything else is going to pass away. The word of God won't. Our traditions, they're just traditions. They're just traditions. But it doesn't go above the word of God. This is what he's saying. So the Pharisees are offended. Look at verse 15. Then Peter answered him, Right. Don't you love Peter? Uh, could you explain the parable to us? So Jesus said, <laughs> Are you still without understanding? Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes through the stomach and is eliminated? Peter, don't you know how bathrooms work? That's basically what, Peter, don't you know how the body works? Pete. Oh man, I can't wait to get to heaven to meet Pete, right? Pete. And Pete's going to look at us and go, some of you are the same way. But those things, he says, Jesus says, which proceed out of the mouth come from the, where? 
the heart, and they defile a man. Why, Lord? For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands doesn't defile a man. Okay? So Peter comes and he wants an explanation. Lord, can you explain this to us? And Jesus tells him, it's not what you put in your mouth that defiles you, such as food and drink. It's all the things, you ready? Jot this down. It's all the things you put in your eye gate. Your ear gate. It's all those things that that you're taking into your heart. What should I do? The one thing that we should do, church, more than anything, is always compare what's going on in the world and what people are telling you to the Word of God. Even me. Even me. That's why I say, if you need a Bible, you need to know what I'm saying when I'm saying it, and it should always be the Word of God. It should always be the Word of God. Be careful what's on your television coming into your house. We have divided our country. We have divided churches because of what other people have told us. What non-believers have told us. We've divided. Follow the word of God. Filter everything through God's word in your life. Be careful what you watch. Church, listen to me. We're raising up a generation that's going to have no problem with sin because it's been on TV for years and years and years and years, and that's just normal. And what do, what do precious mommies and daddies do? Well, just go. It's okay. We'll... We're busy. No, no, no. Parents, we, you need to step it up a notch. More than because the world is evil, okay? Satan, he's been doing that for years. What are we putting in our eye gate? What are we putting in our ear gate? Tell your kids the truth. Tell them the truth. Tell them it's an evil world out there and that bad people want to hurt them. And it's not that that's just mom is legalistic or dad is legalistic and you can't do this and you can't do that and you shouldn't drink and smoke and do whatever. Tell them the truth. This is what we've got to be careful. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. That's why we have a major problem with pornography. I'm going to just say it. Okay, eight out of ten Christians struggle with pornography. Why? Because it's what we put on our eye gate, and it destroys intimacy. Yeah, Ben, but it's just, um, my wife said I can, I can look, but I can't. No, it's destroying the heart. So what happens if you have, if you have intimate issues with your wife, you're going to have intimate, intimacy issues with God. Well, I can't have intimate issues because she's always judging me. She's always saying mean things to me. Well, then check your heart. Because when you're being squeezed, what comes out? That's what he's saying to us, guys. We got to take the things, bury them. We take things and bury them in our heart. We bury them deep. And what happens? is then then our heart is defiled. Let me give you another example. We'll close, okay? Let me give you another example. You're praying for something. You're praying for something. You're praying for something. We're praying, we're praying, we're praying. And we know that God can do it, but he doesn't do it, and we don't understand. So we take our disappointment, we take our doubt, and we bury it in our heart. You guys with me? So what do you think about God? He's all right. I love him. He's God. And we bury it. 
We take the hurt and we bear it. And what happens, what happens is just like, what happens is, is it's a heart issue. And so next time we pray, how do we pray? Mary, he's not going to do it anyway. Why pray? Why pray? Melanie, he's not going to do it anyway. Liz, why pray? Why pray? I think God has it in for me. And we walk around disappointed. But that's what we bury in. That's not what we should bury. What should we bury, guys? We bury the word of God. And we go, well, listen, I prayed. God is sovereign. I trust him. He has my best interest at heart. I'm going to walk in that. 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 He's my best interest at heart. Yeah, but it's not all rainbows and butterflies. That's, that's life. Life is not all rainbows and butterflies. But I need to trust that God loves me. And I can't trust God unless I know God. I can't trust God unless I experience God. Every one of us in this room, you know you've prayed for something that God did supernaturally. Blew your mind. I prayed he did it. Every one of us have experienced that. It doesn't happen all the time, but we've experienced that. And then we, we don't bury that. We create doubt. So, do you remember our whale story? He had been set free. He had been rescued and set free. What would have happened had they not cut the ropes? He would have died. And I think a lot of us spiritually are dying because we're taking the traditions of men, which are good, don't get me wrong. They're great traditions that we have. Enjoy your family traditions, but never put the bondage of religiosity of traditions of men on above the word of God. Never tell somebody they're not saved because they don't attend your church or your or you, they keep the command. The word of God says in Romans that if you believe and confess, you'll be saved. I stand upon the word of God. Amen. But I also know that when I confess the Lord Jesus and I believe in my heart, my life will change. He's going to come inside and he's going to, he's going to clean all that up. Number two, don't get discouraged when God is cleaning you up. We've have, we have stuff in our hearts that were way back when we were little. Way back. And then as you, as you walk in the Lord, he begins to clean a little and a little and a little. Like, like he doesn't clean everything out at once. We would be overwhelmed. He starts to say, he goes, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna chip this off. Oh, oh, that hurts. Okay, okay, okay. And then as you grow a little bit, I'm gonna chip this off. And I have some stuff in my life that God is still dealing with. You do too. And that's okay. Don't let it defile us. You know what we say? God's still working on me. Still working. Yeah, but you, you've been walking with Jesus for five years. You should, be, you should be perfect by now. Really? Are you kidding me? He's barely on my toes. I got a lot to go. Got a lot to go. But you know what I don't want to do? I never want to misrepresent God, and I never want to take and put stuff above the Word of God. That's what I want to do. Now, before we go, I don't know where the worship team is. Before we go, I need to tell you that my upbringing and religious traditions almost kept me from coming to Jesus. You understand that? I'll never forget, I was in 10th grade, and I was invited to church. Okay? And I'll never forget this. I had made the best friend. If this was this, he was my best friend. We were, we played basketball in junior high. We went to high school and, um, he was a Christian. And he invites me to church. Hey, do you want to come to church? Now, I grew up in a very Catholic religious home. And I remember I looked at, I looked at, um, my best friend's dad, who was the pastor. And I remember telling him, oh, <laughs> I made this excuse. I go, no, I don't think I want to come to church because me and, me, and, 
me and your, you know, your son will just fool around too much. I think, I think we'll be a distraction. And I was avoiding it because my tradition was we weren't supposed to go to another church. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And see, it's not even about going to church. It's about not putting our traditions above God's word. Can I get an amen on that? And that's what he dealt with. So we've got to be careful with Corban, because the Lord says to honor our father and our mother. We need to be careful with the tradition of the elders, because I don't want no demons sleeping on my hands or stabbing on my hands when I sleep. And of course, in our society, in our West, right, we, we use soap and water. We don't ritualistically, ceremonially, we just wash our hands. But above all, you ready? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Confess those things that need to come out right now. Lord, forgive me. And then guard your heart. Set up a guard. For some of you, that means it must be, you might need to fast the internet. Some of you might need to get, a, get rid of some of, your, some of the stuff that you watch on TV. For some of you, it might be careful what you read or even the news outlets. I mean, we've got to be careful. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, my prayer is that I have done justice to this portion of Scripture. And I thank you, God, for your word and the truth in your word. Lord, may we never teach doctrine as the commandments of men, but from Genesis to Revelation, we will teach the word of God. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I never want to leave a, a time together without giving anyone here a, an invitation to join the family of God. And I like to do it at this time when everybody's head is bowed because those of you who are believers, just be praying. But you might be here today and you go, Pastor Ben, i got to be honest with you. Um, you were saying some stuff today, and, I, and, and what really hit me was I don't have a relationship with God. Not like you say. And I was invited here today, and actually I feel like I'm a million miles away from God. I don't even feel like God knows I'm on the earth. I, I mean, that's how far away I feel. But listen to me. You might feel that way right now, but you're also only one decision from coming to him. And the word of God tells us that if we just repent and we go back to that place, Maybe you, had, maybe you had a relationship with him at one point. Maybe you had a beautiful relationship with him and somehow it got lost and he's saying, come home. Or maybe you've never had a relationship. And maybe you're exactly what I was saying. You, you are saying all the right things to your parents. You were saying all the right things to your friends, but you were never really saved. You've never given your life to God. Well, today's your day. What do I have to do, Pastor? What do I have to do? Well, it's really simple. You just need to open up your heart and invite him inside. Well, how do I do that? Well, first let me pray for you. First let me acknowledge you. You go, how? Well, just lift up your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus to come into my life. I want to I wanna be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want, I want the Lord. If that's you, all you need to do is lift up your hand right now. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? And then I'll lead you in a prayer. Now, words alone aren't sufficient to save, so this is just between you and God. But it's the first step. The Lord Jesus is inviting you, and he followed you all the way to church, and now he has a plan for your life. But the enemy knows that you're not walking in that plan, and he's telling you today. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I want to be right with God. I want to get right with God. I want to be in a relationship with him. I'm ready for him to forgive me, take away the guilt. I'm going to follow him. I realize the days are evil, and so I'm ready to surrender my life to God. Would you do that right now? Would you just lift up your hand? Nobody's watching this between you and God. All you have to do is just lift up your hand. I'm just going to look real quickly. Just lift it up high enough so I can see. God bless you. Anyone else? 
Anyone else? God bless you. Father, I thank you for the hands that are raised, Lord. I thank you that, that your spirit is moving among people's hearts and that, and that we need to confess that to you. That, Lord, we don't want to be Christian in name only, but we want a true relationship with you. So guard our hearts, Lord, that our worship isn't in vain and that we're not defiled, but we have the Holy Spirit living inside us. We believe with all of our hearts that you died on the cross. We believe that you are God. We believe that you were buried and you resurrected on the third day. What a glorious day. We believe you're right now at the right hand of the Father and you're coming back for us soon. But while we're here, Lord, we need help. So come into our hearts, guide us, protect us, and be God and give us wisdom as we walk in you. Because today, for those of you that raised your hands, you declare that you're going to follow Jesus all the days of your life, forever and ever. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. We love you. We have a Bible study guide for you. We want to make sure that you get off on the right foot. You have the word of God. We love you. We love you. We love you. And let's worship Jesus. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.